This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your engine! For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host. Let's go out there and have a good day, all right, buddy. Dave Buchanan. Morning, race fans. 1103 here on WGR. Good morning, race fans. 1103 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. And welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. It helps when I have my headphones turned up all the way. Good morning. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening. As always, that's why I was looking at you weird, Mike, was because I couldn't hear myself, but it's because I had my headphones turned down so low. Uh, all right, we're off and rolling on this uh, slick and icy Sunday here in western New York. If you're out there on the roads, take it easy, although it's uh, warmed up a little and rainy. Uh, some of the, uh, the probably your neighborhood side streets are still a little slick this morning, while some of the roadways, it's kind of turned to slush and is just kind of piling up out there. Hopefully you're just staying inside and enjoying this one from home this morning. And uh, I, I would say you've got a NASCAR race to look forward to, but I'm not sure if that's even going to happen today. Uh, as NASCAR is in Bristol for their first visit of the year, the Food City 500 coming up. Uh, green flag just after 1 o'clock. NASCAR did move the start time up to 1 o'clock this afternoon, and we will have the race weather permitting here on WGR, courtesy of our friends at the Performance Racing Network. Doug Rice and company will have the call if they go racing today. It is raining currently at the Bristol Motor Speedway down there in Thunder Valley, and we'll get a further weather update from Matt Weaver of Auto Week. Matt's going to join us at the bottom of the hour here this morning, give us an update on what's going down at Bristol, and just talk about the uh, NASCAR world in general as we are about uh, eight races in here, almost eight races into the 2018 season for the Monster Energy Cup Series. And speaking of Monster Energy and NASCAR, that's kind of where this first segment is going to be about. And I'm going to get to that in a minute and kind of ties into what I started to talk about last week, too. But uh, Twitter is open here uh, at FastTrack550, Facebook.com slash WGRFastTrack. And, of course, the phone lines are open at 803-0551, are the numbers if you want to get in touch and talk about anything going on in the world of motorsports, NASCAR, IndyCar in Long Beach this weekend, and Alexander Rossi having a great weekend so far. They will go racing this afternoon, no problem about uh Weather in Long Beach, California today, they will go racing. So you've got the IndyCar race to look forward to if there's weather problems in Bristol. Uh, Formula One had a uh, wild one in China already today as uh, Daniel Ricciardo getting the win for Formula One. NHRA off this weekend, but they ran the uh, the first four-wide race at Las Vegas last week. That was pretty exciting. Good stuff there. So anything going on in the world of motorsports. I would say local racing season is, is going to start very soon, but Mother Nature screwing that up as well as... Uh, the uh, scheduled season opener for Lancaster Speedway that's supposed to be this coming Saturday, that's already been rained out. In fact, both April dates at Lancaster have already been wiped off the schedule because of this uh, long-term winter we are currently going through, and it's made it hard to get the property ready for the 2018 racing season. 
So uh, that got so that's already been pushed back to May fifth for Lancaster's opener. I know. Uh, I think Merrittville tried to have a practice session yesterday. That got rained out. Although they did have uh, the BRP driving school up there last weekend. Somehow they were able to put cars on the racetrack. But and then uh, Ranceville's coming up the final Friday in November or November. It might feel like November. Uh, last Friday in April with uh, their. Uh, practice and time trial events so we're getting closer although the weather you know still seems like it's february it it, it is mid-april and we may see race cars on, on a track somewhere here in western new york and southern ontario very soon so uh anything going on again 803-0551-888-552-550 but last week uh, i started to talk about the the schedule in nascar as uh we got kind of a low well, under the radar i guess low low pomp and circumstance, not a lot of hype behind a announcement of the 2019 NASCAR uh, Cup Series schedule, which is virtually a carbon copy of this year's schedule, minus the adjustment for Easter. Uh, pretty much, it is all the same tracks, all the same, in, in, in all the same order, just some slight date adjusting uh, for the Easter break, but everything else remains the same pretty much um, from 2018 to 2019, and, and that led to some uh, disappointment from some, including uh, even from the likes of Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch that have, have commented on it in the last couple of weeks since the announcement came out. But we had the schedule announcement. And then this week, to add to that, we had the announcement that Monster is coming back for another year as the title sponsor for the Cup Series. As uh, the, the initial deal that NASCAR had signed it, uh, was a pretty, uh, what originally was a two year deal, but uh, there was uh, talks of renegotiation, and would they come back for a third year? And it, the monster kept pushing back, pushing back the deadline, saying, "No, oh, we need more time. We need more time. We need more time." And that left it up question mark in the air. We had uh, Adam Stern from Business Sports Business Journal earl earlier this year on this program. He said it was fifty fifty when we talked to him back in February. But we finally got the confirmation that monster will be back in twenty nineteen. However. That is it. The 2019 will be the final year, apparently, as the Monster Energy Cup Series because NASCAR is already committed to exploring a new business model for their entitlement sponsorship for their biggest series. That uh, It sounds like that come 2020, the NASCAR Cup Series or Premier Series or whatever they're going to call it, it won't be Monster Energy Cup Series. It won't be Sprint Cup. It won't be... X, sponsor X Cup Series or Sponsor X Premier Series. It's going to be the NASCAR Cup Series or the NASCAR Premier Series, and it's going to, and it may be the NASCAR Premier Series pre presented by sponsors A, B, C, and D, because that's it sounds like what NASCAR is going to try to go to. Like most uh, sports leagues, you know, it's the NHL, it's the NBA, it's Major League Baseball. It's not, you know, it's not. Coca-Cola presents Major League Baseball. It's Major League Baseball. Uh, NASCAR is going to go that route where their name of their biggest uh, biggest property, it does not have a sponsor in it. But they will have a glutton a series of, of uh, a, a, a list of official series sponsors. Uh, uh, one example that has been bandied about, and, and I don't follow the sport, unlike most of my Twitter followers on, on weekend mornings. I don't follow soccer, but uh, one example of this was the Premier League. Uh, when they dropped from have, being called the Barclays Premier League, and when that deal ran out, they, instead of signing another title sponsor, they're just now called the Premier League, and they have a, a list of, of uh, official league sponsors that get to use branding and everything. And it sounds like that's going to be what NASCAR 
uh, is going to starting in 2020. So it'll be the the NASCAR Premier Series or Cup Series. Uh, I, I sounds like that 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 they keep. Although they kept the Cup Series title when they brought in Monster, that Premier Series phrase has been sticking around out there. And so I think that's something that you may see uh, come 2020. That the uh, that it's that that that's what they may call it and drop the the word Cup from it. But uh, it'll so it'll be the NASCAR Premier Series, and it may be presented by. You know, again, sponsor A, B, C, and D, kind of like the Sabers with their gold. You know, the gold ring partners, the banners, and the logos at the top of the scoreboard at Keybank Center. It might be something like that, where it's you know, NASCAR Premier Series presented by Coca Cola and Monster Energy and Capital One Bank and Tide or whatever uh, Tide Pods. Uh, you know that that's that's what it's going to be like in the future. So really, all of these decisions uh, are, are leading to. Uh, you know, NAS- you know, remember, you, you know, the big UB 2020 project? Well, N- NASCAR 2020 might be a thing. The, the sport might have a whole new look come 2020 when it comes to at least scheduling and branding uh, for the Cup Series or the Premier Series, whatever you're going to call it, in, in 2020. In addition to that, we've had those two announcements. We also had this week the announcement of the uh, format for the All-Star Race and the, or more importantly, the rules package for the All-Star Race because the format isn't changing so much. They're going with the... Uh, what what did I think they've kind of been doing the last couple of years, and that is the uh, twenty uh, thirty twenty twenty ten. Uh, so it's a eighty lap race with a ten lap dash at the end. Of course, the winner gets one million dollars. One of the changes is no longer any kind of mandatory pit stops. I think that's there had been some kind of rule in years past, but this year uh, you can pit strategy however you want. You can come in when you want. You don't have to make pit stops at certain times. Uh, the other kind of tweak to the format is that. Uh, all the f- stages must end under green, so they'll use overtime rules at the end of stages if there's a caution at the end of a stage. So that that's the tweak. The bigger change is the rules package, as NASCAR has announced that the cars will run restrictor plates on the engines at Charlotte for the All-Star Race. And that's something we've never seen done before, at least not some time. Uh, of course, NASCAR uh, toyed with restrictor plates on the Xfinity cars at Indianapolis last year. And that's where some of this comes from, the restrictor plates, plus the uh, aero ducts on the front of the cars, which is also something they used at Indy last year for the Xfinity cars. Uh, the splitter will be the, how it used to be uh, f- four years ago in 2014. They'll keep the current radiator pan, but go with the 2014 splitter for aerodynamic purposes and also put a, a unique spoiler on the back of the cars with a six-inch high spoiler with uh, on the ends, uh, 12-inch high uh, ear is what they're calling it. So uh, kind of similar to the spoilers on the Xfinity cars used to run as well, too. So all that being done, of course, to try and minimize the aerodynamic advantage a car in the lead has and to try and encourage, of course, more passing on mile-and-a-half tracks, which, of course, brings me to all, to all of this that I'm, I'm talking about, like I kind of talked about last year to, or last week, too, was pretty much NASCAR is admitting that the, the problem isn't um, the problem isn't the the cars. The co- problem isn't competition. It's the tracks. The problem is the tracks in the sport, and it's the the mile and a half track. And, and you know, we talk about it all the time how how much the how bad the bad the racing can be at mile and a half tracks. Now, last week's race in Texas wasn't for a mile and a half track race. It wasn't that bad, uh, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that cars kept cutting down right side tires and. 
that caused them to hit the wall. And while you feel bad when they do, especially, you know, Kyle Larson took a pretty good shot. You feel bad about that. Uh, I'm glad for it because it created cautions and kept the race interesting, and we didn't get a long, painful green flag run. As much as I like long green flag runs at, at, at say, an end of a race, uh, the middle, the in we still get long runs early in the race, and it, it can lead to not a whole lot of excitement. So I was glad last week to see so many tire failures at Texas last week that kept the race uh, a little more interesting, and, and you know took some. You know, took some big guys out, out of contention early on and kept it to a more interesting race. So, you know, it's it's a shame that, that NASCAR has to keep tweaking away um, at its rules packages. And it has to fix everything else to, to, to address the bigger problem of the mile-and-a-half track and just how uh, incompatible the their competition is with with that type of racetrack and and fortunately it's you know it, it's all a lot cheaper than trying to fix the tracks themselves you know instead of trying to cut them down to turning them into mile long tracks or, or shorter or whatnot uh instead of having the facility spend hundreds of millions of dollars to do that you know they're trying to address it every other way possible with rules and, and uh and stages and everything they've had to do to try and and inf- infuse some more excitement into these races specifically the mile and a half races uh it's been a challenge so it goes back to last week to uh what i started to talk about and then we had the the, the guest on uh, last week but changing the schedule and and again that is going to be the other part of nascar in 2020 not only is the sponsorship model going to change but the schedule is likely going to change come 2020 because that's when these five-year agreements with these racetracks end. These these five-year sanctioned agreement NASCAR signed with all its facilities and all three major national series uh, a couple of years ago uh, that kind of has put the frozen the schedule minus a few changes like the ones we had this year with New Hampshire and Las Vegas and Indianapolis and Chicago and everything. You know that that with tracks trading dates and everything, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of that uh, with the last couple of years because of these five-year sanction agreements. So all these tracks are guaranteed these dates for five years, which, again, as I said last week's a great thing for a track like Watkins Glen, which, which, as we said, you know, 15 years ago, there was doubt every year if NASCAR is coming back. Now they have they can say, yep, for five years, for the first weekend in August, NASCAR at the Glen is going to be here, and you can buy your tickets five years in advance if you want to. I'm sure they would sell them to you if you asked. Uh, you can, I think you can already buy them for 2019. Uh, they can do that. So that that's the good part of the deal. The bad part is, is when the product changes and, and the, the tracks become – uh, less exciting, you're you're kind of locked in to uh, what your schedule is because you've already guaranteed this date. So unless you can talk the track owners into trading dates, uh, you're kind of stuck with what you got for five years. And that's what we're seeing now long-term that it might not have been the best decision. Short-term, it sounded great. Long-term, maybe not. So the schedule's going to change in, in 2020, and there's a, lots of things you can do. You know, One of them is the All-Star Race, by the way. Again, all these rules changes, the restrictor plays and everything, just shows you how bad the racing can be at Charlotte. I mean, heck, they took the fall date, and they're putting it on the road course. That's another sign that the the track is the problem, not not the cars themselves. Um, So more of these mile and a half tracks could use to lose their lose their dates. Unfortunately, they're they're important dates on the schedule. And, uh, you know, of course, the companies that own them are Speedway Motorsports, which is Bruton Smith and Company, and then ISC, which is the France family. You know, they hold a lot of weight and clout, and they're not 
and NASCAR just can't go taking dates from, especially the SMI tracks. Those are the majority of the mile and a half tracks. Your Charlottes, Vegas's, and Texas's, and all that. Uh, you know, they're they're not going to give up dates and hand them over to Iowa Speedway, which is owned by NASCAR, of course. So it'll be interesting how how NASCAR goes about doing this, but they're going to have to do something. Unfortunately, the tracks that may suffer are some of the independent tracks, the the Poconos and Dovers of the world, that both have two dates and are not owned by ISC or SMI. They're, they could be likely to lose a date. Uh, also, a track that may lose a date is Michigan, which has seen uh, downward attendance for its two dates, uh, which are, you know, of course, so close together, only separated by two months on the schedule. So, And, of course, it's Michigan, so you can't spread them out really any further weather-wise. So Michigan might be a place that loses a track. I would love to see Kansas lose one of its dates, but ISC has invested so much into that property with the casino and everything. I don't think that's going to happen. But I would love to see a, a place like Kansas lose a race. Uh, Texas, eh. I, I think, like I said, the, last week was an interesting race that they've had their – some issues when they did some resurfacing, but I think Texas is a good market. Uh, Phoenix can definitely stay with two dates. Um, Does Charlotte lose a date? And it doesn't even have to be a regular season race. Charlotte should lose the all-star race. Uh, There's so much you could do with that all-star race, which has traditionally been at Charlotte, of course, for like 30 years. The one year they did try to move it in Atlanta to Atlanta, which was like the second year of the Winston. It didn't go over so well, but now, you know, do what, NASCAR should do maybe what the NHL does with or Major League Baseball does with its all-star game and put it out there for bids and open it up to tracks that uh, are on the schedule and maybe even to some tracks that aren't on, on a major NASCAR schedule. You know, see if they can put together a package. I, I'm sure it would it would take a lot for them uh, financially to, to try and do that, but open it up to any facility that would like to host, host the all-star race. I think moving the all-star race to Iowa would be awesome in you know, Iowa is this great short track, and it hosts Xfinity and, and uh, Truck Series races. Of course, it's never hosted a Cup race, and uh, of course, the fear is if you start giving Cup dates to Iowa, that would kill their attendance at, at Truck and Xfinity, their Truck and Xfinity dates that they own. But maybe make Iowa the ultimate neutral site track for the Cup Series, and just make it the all the track that you have the All Star race at. Don't let it hold a a regular season date or a playoff date or a points race, I should say. Um, just make it the home of the all-star race It's and uh, make it more unique, a short track, so it's going to be more exciting, uh, a, a neutral site track, so data for the teams would be limited uh, outside of what they would have, say, from the year before or what they got from Xfinity teams or whatnot. And I think Iowa would be a great place to put the all-star race. Again, not a big, sexy, flashy market, I know, but uh, it would, uh, action-wise, and I think it would be well-supported, um, with uh, where it's located and everything, it's with, within so many major markets. I think it would draw r- really well. And of course, just having it uh, having Iowa help host a, a cup race uh, obviously would just make it exciting to begin with because it's never held one. But you know, open up the All Star race, move it out of Charlotte, move it to you know. Uh, m- you would have to, of course, you know, plan it out a couple years in advance so that the facility had enough time to promote it and everything to sell tickets. But, you know, open it up to bids for from uh, any track that would want to host it and that could put their own unique spin on and everything. You know, let the track decide. You know, let it let the track come up with a, a format for the race as as part of its package to bring in the the All Star Race with NASCAR pitch format, pitch sponsors. You know, whatever uh, that needed to to put together a good show in. 
move the All-Star race from year to year, like like baseball and like hockey does every year, instead of having it at Charlotte, because it, it just seems like the the Charlotte races have not been good in recent years, and that's why they're moving that fall race to the road course. And uh, the Coke 600, of course, will stay on the, be on the mile-and-a-half track, and so will the All-Star race with the uh, the rules package that we talked about before. Uh, 803-0551, 888-552-550. So does all of this... All of these decisions are looming large for NASCAR here in the next couple of years. And and, and as much as some NASCAR fans may hate change, get used to it because there's more coming because it, it maybe won't affect the, the racing so much. But uh, the schedule will have a different look in uh, the in the uh, the sponsorship, uh, the series, what we call it is going to is going to change. Uh, come 2020. A lot of people right now are bemoaning the schedule because of the weather. I mean, this is the third week in a row we've had havoc with the weather in NASCAR. You had, of course, the snow at Martinsville. Last week at Texas, it was the weather was up and down, and it was cold on uh, Sunday, and that hurt attendance. And now today at Bristol, it's rainy and cold. But unfortunately, with that, NASCAR has kind of got their hand forced uh, with... um, with where what you can do at this point in the schedule, I mean, you can't just you know you you can't just load up the early part of the schedule. You can't have you know Vegas and Phoenix and hold all both of their race dates early in the schedule. I mean, um, there's not a lot of places that you could maybe move this early in the schedule um, that aren't going through the same problems right now. Almost most of the most of the well, not most of the country, but large parts of the country are, are dealing with rain and cold and and ice. So there's not a lot of places that can hold NASCAR dates in March and in April. And, you know, I, I think this just the string of weather we're in is, is just kind of been bad luck for NASCAR. I, I, you know, the, you could have had the exact opposite the last three weeks. You could have had gorgeous and 80 in places like Martinsville, Virginia and Texas and, and Tennessee. The, the, their weather is can is probably even more unpredictable than than here this time of year because of, of where they're located. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't know what else you could put on the schedule this early to uh, get away from more weather problems. You've already gone to Daytona for February, the traditional open. You've already gone out west for three races with with Vegas, Phoenix, and California. I'm not sure what you could put in this part of the schedule without staying in the southeast uh, with at least the the available facilities you have on your schedule. You're kind of stuck. Um, really, you can't go, go much more farther south um, Unless you moved, you know, Atlanta already had their date in the books. I mean, you can't go much further south unless you put Talladega on the schedule this early or move Homestead earlier in the schedule. And that's another race that gets talked about. Kurt Busch talked about it, um, moving or making the championship race. Put that up for bids every year. And I don't think that one is is as easy as uh, moving the All-Star race from year to year, uh, partly because Homestead's got this deal with Ford that's like a 10-year deal that has a few more years to go. But I think I kind of like having the championship race at the same, having it at Homestead every year, making that the same track. So uh, not not as much for putting the championship race up for bids, kind of like the Super Bowl, but uh, I would be in favor in putting the All-Star race up for tracks that want to bid on it. All right, uh, coming up, we'll talk to Matt Weaver from Auto Week. He is in Bristol. We'll get the latest on the weather from Bristol and let you know if what the chances are of you hearing the Food City 500 here on WGR later today with a green flag just after 1 o'clock. Phone lines are open to 803-0551-888-552-550. We get back with more Fast Track here on WGR. Hey, guys, this is Trevor Bain, driver of the number six Ford for Roush Family Racing. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. I know it's a Christmas song, but I'm confused by the weather. Yes. 
<laughs> Thank you. 1131 here in WGR Sports Radio 550 Dave Buchanan, WGR's Fast Track. The Xfinity Series was in action yesterday, and Ryan Priest, former guest of this program, picked up his second career Xfinity Series win as uh, he outdueled Brandon Jones on a late race restart and then pulled away from Justin Allgaier late to get the win and win the Xfinity Dash for cash, which garnered him an extra $100,000, I believe. And um, Ryan, again, making the most of his uh, limited starts with Joe Gibbs Racing and one of their Xfinity Series teams this year. But great to see the modified ace pick up another win. And uh, it's been a, it's good good seeing these Northeast boys doing well. You got Stuart Friesen in the trucks, Ryan Priest, the Xfinity Series. Uh, yeah, Ryan Blaney, I, I guess we could sort of lay claim to Ryan because his dad races spring cars and everything. But good good to see these young young kids from... Uh, the, the Northeast doing well in, in NASCAR's top series. Uh, speaking of the uh, the lineup for today's race, it was supposed to be an all Bush Brothers front row with Kyle and Kurt. However, Kurt uh, crashed late in practice yesterday, so he's have to has to go to a backup car, and he will fall to the tail of the field. And there's a lot of big names at the rear of the field. We'll get to that in a second, but it was supposed to be the Bush Brothers on the front row. Uh, Brad Keselowski qualified third. Ricky Stenhouse, who's had some good runs at Bristol recently, he qualified fourth. Then Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, uh, Paul Menard, who had a terrible day at Texas last week, hit the wall a couple times. He starts seventh. Alex Bowman, nice qualifying effort for the 88. How about Michael McDowell qualifying ninth in the uh, uh, front row motorsports 34? Joey Logano, uh, who's my pick for today, start uh, qualifying 10th. Then you've got uh, the youngsters, uh, William Byron and Daniel Suarez in row six. Eric Jones starts 13th. Clint Boyer, 14th. Uh, Chase Elliott, 16th. Jimmy Johnson, 17th. Here's some of those big names towards the back. Uh, Eric Almarola, Daryl Wallace, Bubba Wallace uh, qualified 20th. He had a good run last week at Texas, top 10 run. Then you've got Denny Hamlin, 25th. Martin Truex, 26th. Uh, Jamie McMurray, 31st. Kevin Harvick, who wrecked his car in practice, and uh, didn't even bother going off qualifying. He will start at the tail of the field along with Kurt Busch. So you've got some big names. Harvick and Kurt Busch in the last row. You've got uh, Truex and Hamlin in row 13. So it'll be interesting watching the big guys come from the back of the field. To, uh, well, if, if if we run today. But uh, we'll we'll talk to Matt Weaver here in a minute and find out. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see some of the big guys have to come through the field as uh, the folks at Bristol have applied the uh, the VHT, the traction compound, whatever you want to call it, the sticky stuff. They've put that, applied that to the lower groove and, and to keep the cars on the bottom of the racetrack and try and create some of that uh, conveyor, by, conveyor belt style racing that leads to more excitement and, and bumping and all that fun stuff that used to make Bristol fun, but... Uh, it's been a challenge in recent years with the changes they've made to the track and making the outside groove the dominant groove. Uh, this will this the it was very obvious in the Xfinity race yesterday that the bottom groove is where you wanted to be. We'll see if uh, how the Cup cars run today. Uh, they'll likely be on the bottom. I think you might have a be- better chance of seeing cars go to that uh, outside groove today um, at Bristol and once once we go racing this afternoon. But 803-0551-888-552-550. And actually, I just looked up at the TV, and I see uh, Kenny Wallace on, on race day on Fox Sports 1, and they're, they're exactly showing that, the uh, the traction compound that has been applied to the bottom groove, although I'm sure a little bit of that's washing off with the rain that is uh, going on there, as we can see, or as I can see watching the TV here in the studio, seeing the uh, very damp racetrack there at the Bristol Motor Speedway, but uh, that that traction compound, again, trying to make the the bottom groove the 
the fastest way around the racetrack and uh, create some of that, again, bump and run and close contact racing that we are so used to seeing at the Bristol Motor Speedway. And speaking of lunch, we'll go to the hotline and bring in from Auto Week and Short Track Scene, Matt Weaver joins us on the line. Matt, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Great to talk to you again. Hey, good morning, Dave. Good to talk to you. Well, uh, let's let's put on our meteorologist hat first, Matt, and uh, how are things weather-wise? I just saw Kenny Wallace's live shot. It's not looking good. No, it's not. It's a little um, it's a little damp outside, so uh, we're we're kind of in a holding pattern. You know, on the bright side, if if the mountains do break up some of these storms enough, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time for Bristol a uh, half mile to dry. So hopefully, uh, that'll be the case later this afternoon is it is it like all day rain is that the forecast or do they have a window maybe later today where they even might you know put the lights on later well you know it's so complicated because um the the mountains have a way of disrupting even the most solid and sound forecast Mm -hmm. Uh, but there is an opening a, a window as it were um as I'm stepping outside now to try to get out of the media center. Um, <laughs> there's a bit of a window here later tonight. I'm not sure if it's enough to be able to get a full race in. And that's what people tell you all the time, that they're not going to attempt to start the race unless they think they can get the full race in. Sure. So uh, that's going to be the challenge here. And the problem is, again, that tomorrow the forecast is pretty bad as well. I, I think there's like a, a 60% chance of rain all afternoon tomorrow. So this could be a Tuesday race. Fantastic Tuesday racing, just what we need. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt, uh, of course, earlier in the week uh, we got the uh, the announcements of the uh, the All Star changes and the, uh, the the extended deal with Monster Energy, and uh, you wrote about it on AutoWeek.com. dot uh, com. Uh, kind of just some big decisions looming for NASCAR here, uh, just uh, just years away, and including uh, some changes to how they're going to do the the title sponsorship for the Cup Series or Premier Series, whatever they're going to call it. Uh, there's going to be some big changes coming on that front. Yeah, I really think that this is an opportunity for for NASCAR to reinvent its entire model in a lot of different ways. I mean, I don't think you're going to see a title sponsor for the Cup Series, like you said, uh, after 2020 uh, or after 2019, actually. Um, but this is a chance for NASCAR to consolidate all of their partners into one. I mean, if you look at other professional stick and ball sports, football, Major League Baseball, uh, they don't have a title sponsor. They have multiple sponsors. And I think the best way to describe it to casual fans is that you look at the 48 car, right? They've had Lowe's as their only primary sponsor mm-hmm. for years, and that's not the model anymore. You have to see cars have four or five sponsors to make the entire season work. And by NASCAR trying to have one single title sponsor, they could only get a, a believed to be $20 million dollars uh, for monster a year, and, and that undercuts the team. So yeah. I, I think it makes a, a ton of sense to kind of move to a model with, where you have multiple sponsors, and maybe you get a ton more money. You're not undercutting the team, and if you can bundle that with your your TV and your radio partners, um, your tracks, and remember, this is going to kind of somewhat coincide with the track sanctioning agreement too. It's going to be off by one year. Yep. So if you can bundle all this together, you might be able to revamp the schedule. People are saying we need more short tracks, road courses, maybe even a street course. I think you could see great change, not only in the business of NASCAR, but also just the the overall racing product as well. Matt Weaver from Auto Week joining us. Uh, Matt, we also have the All-Star format slash rules announcement. What were your, what are your thoughts on uh, putting restrictor plates on the cars at Charlotte this May? You know, my mentality is always 
I'm not going to knock it until I see it. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the the dual tire format last year wasn't given a, a fair shot to be used again. I think the small sample size uh, of this sport is, is hurting it in a lot of ways because sometimes NASCAR throws things against the wall and they don't give it time to, to kind of gestate a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think they tried the two-tire thing. They're going to try restrictor plates, which they used at Indianapolis last year for the Xfinity Series. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be a good race. But I think that whatever they decide to do, they need to give it three or four attempts to get a larger notebook on. Um, I don't know what the racing is going to look like. Yeah. It's no secret to, to anyone who watches NASCAR that the technology of the cars, um, the safety measures of the cars, it's coming to the detriment of the racing product in a lot of ways. These mile-and-a-half races are sometimes, you know, to put it bluntly, they're unwatchable. And if NASCAR is going to try something to make these races more entertaining, I think we should give them all the leeway in the world to figure out what that looks like. At what point, Matt, do you think where we go, we get to, well, we've tried to change this, this, and this to the cars, and we can't make mile-and-a-half racing better. At what point do they say, we've got to change the tracks and maybe not change all the tracks at once, but, you know, tell SMI, all right, you've got to change Atlanta this year and then let's change it up to a mile or, or take some banging out or do this or this and just start changing these mile and a half tracks because that, that seems to be the common denominator with these issues. Yeah. I, I think Texas motor speedway missed a huge opportunity when they reconfigured the track. They, they changed the banking in one corner, but it stayed a mile and a half racetrack you know, I've been very critical of the way that whole thing played out because, to me, if you're no limit Texas and you want to have no limit racing, mm. do something interesting. Shake it up a little bit. You know, uh, Parker Kligerman at NBC wrote a really great column. He said that uh, Texas could have done something like the old Trenton Speedway, which was shaped like a pinto bean. Yeah. Or they could have reconfigured it into something like uh, Iowa, one mile, just something to be different. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of these tracks are going to have the opportunity within the next decade or so to face that question, and hopefully they, they choose a decision that was different than Texas because they just gave us more of the status quo, and, you know, the status quo just isn't working right now. I think people's attention spans are way too short. These races are too long. There's not enough action, and there's a place for all of these tracks. I just don't know if the, the Texas and the Kansases and the Charlottes deserve two and three races, even Dover, as unique as it is, Pocono. Um, I, I think that you need to have five or six more races that you know are going to be like Bristol this weekend or Martinsville a couple of weeks ago that, that bring out drivers' personalities and create storylines and rivalries. That's what's going to make people watch at Texas and, and watch Deer in the Chase when they're at uh, Las Vegas or when they go to Kansas. That, that, that we just need things that shake it up. I agree 100% with uh, Matt Weaver here from Auto Week. Matt, uh, when, when we do finally go racing, it's going to be an interesting start to the race because you've got some big names that are going to be deep in the field. Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex, they qualify poorly. Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch have had accidents in practice, had to go to backup cars. There's going to be some big guys that are going to have to pass a lot of race cars when this race finally starts. Yeah, and we don't know what the the track conditions are going to be either because now this rain has completely shifted the dynamic. I thought the racing yesterday was just spectacular. It was old-school Bristol. I wrote about that in my column. Everyone was stuck on the bottom. I don't know if that was just the 
the heat. It was very warm. It was in the mid-80s yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was just the way the PJ1 track bite substance was applied. Um, but now everything's out the window because it's raining and it's going to wash away. The rubber that was laid down is going to wash away. Uh, the, the, the chemical compound. And once the race resumes or begins, be it today, Monday, Tuesday, it's going to be cold. There's a chance of snow tomorrow, I'd say. <laughs> and so, you know, everything that they've practiced and learned throughout the weekend is not going to be applicable. So I think when you have faster cars in the back, you've got a completely different weather and track condition. I have no idea what to expect. But I will say, as much as I love the track conditions yesterday, the fact that teams have no idea what to expect now and the cars are not set up for mm-hmm. what they thought it would be, mm-hmm. I think it's going to make it a fun race. Uh, Matt, last thing before I let you go, of course, you also you do work for a week, but you also uh, head up uh, shorttrackscene.com. And, uh, well, a, a friend of ours uh, did pretty well in a, in a big short track race, and that was Stuart Friesen last weekend at the, the big late model race in Nashville, fa- finishing second to Casey Roderick. Uh, pretty impressive uh, start for, for Stuart, first time in a big super late model race to have a great run like he did. Yeah, it's a tremendous showing. I mean, I, I'll admit that when – Stuart Friesen first started running uh, the truck series a while back. I hadn't heard much about him. I mean, I'm from the Deep South originally, uh, living in North Carolina and Alabama now. Um, and so I hadn't come across him a ton. And he's been hugely impressive in the truck series. And, and then to turn around and get in a super late model, which when you've run a truck, I, I think there are some things that do carry over. But most impressive to me was doing it at a place like Fairground Speedway Nashville, which yep. is just a tricky racetrack and it's a legendary facility and to be immediately right out of the gate um you know they practice mid-pack but he said he was learning and then to turn around and run second to casey roger who along with Bubba pollard has been like one and two in the asphalt world mm. volume to me. I, I get the impression and you would know more than i would but you could stick this guy in whatever and he's just going to get the job done i cannot wait to see what Stuart Friesen becomes in the next year or two because it just seems like he's got more natural talent in his in his pinkies than a lot of drivers have <laughs> their entire body. This guy is good. I'm not a big super late model guy, but I hope Stuart runs the snowball derby this December. I, I would I would pay speed fifty one to watch that. Absolutely. And uh, he won he won a modified race yesterday. He was at the Grandview Speedway in Pennsylvania, won another uh, dirt modified race. So uh uh Matt, thanks for the time. Uh stay dry. Hopefully you're not there till Tuesday and uh, we'll hopefully talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Dave. Sorry for some of the logistical issues here. We've got the rain, and I'm having to stand outside. I know it's loud, but uh, I appreciate you having me on, and we'll do it again soon. Yeah, no, it sounded great. Appreciate the time. All right, thank you. All right, Matt Weaver from Auto Week and ShortTrackScene.com. You can follow him on Twitter at MattWeaverAW. A lot of good stuff from Matt if you're a NASCAR fan or Short Track fan. He's got always got good content, so uh, give Matt a follow. When we get back, we'll uh, wrap up this edition of Fast Track. We'll uh, preview today's IndyCar race. We'll uh, mention the Formula One race and uh, take your phone calls to at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. we get back here on Fast Track on WGR. This is Kyle Busch driving the number 18 M&M's Toyota. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. Kyle Bush on the poll for today's race at Bristol, which we'll have right here on WGR coverage coming up right after we're off the air, Mike. Is that right? Yep, we're going right to uh, PRN as soon as we're off the air here at 12 noon. And again, green flag scheduled for after 1 o'clock. I don't think it's going to happen, but Doug Rice and the company from uh, PRN will give you updates and uh, we'll see how if we get a race in today. 
uh, talking about local racing, uh, Merrittville Speedway. They do have practice for this Wednesday, and their opener is uh, a week from yesterday. They will, uh, while Lancaster did schedule their opener, uh, cancel their opener for next Saturday. Merrittville is still a go next Saturday night. Uh, with a pretty good show. They always kick it off in a big way with uh, the Patriot Sprints, 358 Modified Sportsman, and four-cylinder. So if you are looking for racing next Saturday, uh, we might have a shot at it if you want to go over to Merrittville uh, next Saturday night. So they do have their opener. They have practice on Wednesday. Uh, but Lancaster's opener that was scheduled for next Saturday is uh, postponed due to the weather. There was some uh, local racing, I guess you could call it. Uh, the BRP Modified Tour, they were down in West Virginia, but it was Eric Rudolph from uh, Ranceville getting the win over Jeremiah Shingledecker, which is my, one of my favorite names in racing. Uh, Phil Vigneri, also from uh, Niagara County, finishing third. Dave Murdoch and Rex King Jr., old Cooter King, uh, rounding out the top five there uh, as Eric uh, got a little bit of a break when the race leader blew up with about uh, 10 laps to go and was able to take the win there. And as I said, at the end there with uh, Matt Weaver, Stuart Friesen got a win last night at the Grandview Speedway in Pennsylvania, uh, picking up the win uh, in the inaugural Bruce Rogers Memorial at the Grandview Speedway. So uh, some dirt tracks are getting there, uh, getting open and getting some racing in uh, a little bit south of here to kick off their uh, 2018 racing season. Uh, again, IndyCar, they will race today because there's no rain in Long Beach, and it's Alexander Rossi on the pole for today's race. He has been fast all weekend, and uh, he was uh, almost four-tenths quicker than uh, Will Power in the uh, Firestone Fast 6 qualifying round as it'll be Rossi and Power on the front row, Simon Pagino, Scott Dixon in row two, Graham Rahal, Joseph Newgarden in row three, Ryan hunter Ray, James Hinchcliffe in row four, Sebastian Bourdais, and rookie Robert Wickens, who, again, has had an impressive start this year. He will roll off 10th today at the uh, the Grand Prix of Long Beach. Formula One in the books, the Chinese Grand Prix. Daniel Ricciardo picking up the win for Team Red Bull over Valtteri Bodas and Kimi Raikkonen. Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen rounding out the top five. Verstappen had a couple of incidents during the race, including a notable one where he and Sebastian Vettel got together. And uh, that took Vettel out of contention. Vettel wound up eighth. He also had a, a late race run in with Fernando Alonso, who tried to pa- who passed him for position late in the race. Alonso wound up seventh. Uh, Kevin Magnussen another top ten finish for uh, F1 Haas, and uh, the other Haas car not so good for Roman Grosjean as he finished uh, next to one of the last spots uh, finished the race, but one of the last cars running in seventeenth there at uh, China for uh, the Grand Prix. Uh, just a correction. We're going to do ESPN Radio for an hour, and then the pre-race goes on. Okay, because I believe yep. I be- All right, so we'll we'll pick it up at one o'clock then. So, yep. but I think they're going on the air at, at twelve noon. I could be wrong, um, but we'll you'll get PRN uh, at one o'clock then, and they'll give you an update on what is going on at Bristol. So stay tuned for that, and uh, we'll be back uh, here next Sunday with more. Uh, fast track here on WGR. Also coming up this Saturday night, the Bandits are on WGR 550, uh, home against Toronto. A huge game for the Bandits as uh, they're fighting for their playoff lives in a very competitive uh, NLL East. They lost last night in Calgary, unfortunately, put up a stinker against the Roughnecks. And so they are now uh, fighting for their playoff lives, uh, tied for the final playoff spot at 8-8. Eight and eight. And uh, a win over Toronto would go a long way to get them into the postseason. It would knock Toronto out of contention and and almost lock them into a playoff spot if they win this Saturday night at the KeyBank Center. We'll be on on WGR at 7 o'clock. John Gertler, Randy Mearns, and myself will have the call as uh, we are not on the Twitter broadcast, unfortunately, as the league has hired their own uh, broadcast crew to do the Twitter broadcast, unfortunately. So you only find Gertz. Uh, Mernsey and myself on WGR this Saturday night. But two big home games to uh, round out the Bandit season. 
this coming Saturday against Toronto and then April 28th against Rochester. So hopefully you guys can fill KeyBank Center and uh, help the Bandits uh, get back to the playoffs here in 2018. So uh, listen for me Saturday night, or we'll talk to you next Sunday here with more Fast Track on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.